Hello and welcome to the Avocado Proust podcast, a weekly podcast about tech, culture, health and everything in between. We'll share things that caught our eye this week and then go a bit deeper on our topic of the week. This week we're going to be talking about the evolution of adult friendships and how the dynamics of adult friendships can often be impacted by relationships, positively, negatively. We're going to dig dig a little bit deeper into that and maybe give you some ideas for how to cope. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. But before that... Before we get into all of that... What's been happening for you this week, Loons? Well... I am very, very excited about my highlights that I chose for this week. She's been giggling away (laughs) as we've been prepping to record. It's been very difficult not discussing any of these topics with you, like having to think about what are we going to put on the podcast versus what we're actually going to talk about. It's actually become quite the challenge, but I, it makes me even more excited to record this because then it means we get to chat about all these topics. Okay. So the one of the things that I saw this week that I thought was really interesting was uh, another. Well, you can tell me if it's a pro or a con of the metaverse. I know we talk about the metaverse a lot, but there's so much. It just keeps coming up. <laughs> it keeps coming up, and I think it's part of what is on a lot of people's minds. There is a new dating app. It's oh a new. My God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new dating app. It's the world's first virtual dating app called Planet. Theta. And it's a virtual dating platform hosted in the metaverse. And the dater, daters who get to use the platform will be given the opportunity to upload a photo, which is then transformed into a virtual avatar. And the avatar will drive interactions with other users in nightclubs. <laughs> this is a quote, in nightclubs, enchanted forests, and even <laughs> and even private condos where you can Snuggle up on the couch and watch your favorite streaming service. Sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be mad not to. And while your while your avatars are enjoying each other's company, company <laughs> on the sofa watching movies, because that's definitely all these avatars will be doing in this private condo, you will be sitting at home in your pajamas and just comfortable enjoying being on this date with this person interesting (laughs) I mean I can see how this appeals in a way like going out on dates is a bit of admin you know you have to get dressed take public transport (laughs) 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 to go and meet someone in person so you know maybe it's a bit more accessible to be able to do it from home uh reminds me of the kind of covid pandemic time where people were doing virtual dates via like FaceTime or whatever. So I can see that side of the appeal. I guess it's also, uh, I I don't know how you interact with someone in the virtual world, but I wonder if it does give you any more clues as to what they're really like in terms of like, I, I feel like, you know, you can chat to someone via text you could probably even talk to them on the phone but meeting them you find out so much more like it's a picture is worth a thousand words kind of thing but even more you know meeting someone in real life is worth ten thousand words 
I don't know. It really <laughs> is. It really is. And these because it's avatar based, I'm guessing you don't see photos. You just see the, the virtual virtual representation of of what these people look like. I mean, as somebody who engaged in quite a bit of virtual well, with the same person over the pandemic. I had a lot of <laughs> virtual <Yes>. FaceTime. I, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> it was at that brief point in the pandemic when everything was, it was just, it, the world had just shut down and panic and fear was at, a, at the highest possible level. And I fe- felt like I'd found the cheat code to dating because you only had to get dressed from the waist up you still got, still got to still got to put makeup on. You had something to look forward to. So I went on quite a quite a few dates with this person, and then eventually, as the world started to open up again, I think I counted twelve dates. I yeah, had, it was a lot. It was a lot of dates. Twelve, and by dates I mean like an hour of FaceTime or something. And we uh, we we actually got on we got on well <laughs> virtually, but we'd always like do like virtual activities together which I'm guessing the metaverse will be able to power as well. Yeah, I imagine that's kind of, yeah, as you alluded to in that description. Yeah, we did. Hanging out well, virtually. Yeah. We did, we did a, a Google Maps date where he took me on a street view tour of oh the neighborhood gosh. where he grew up, which I thought was quite nice. We ordered delivery for each other and chose, chose the food. I mean, he made terrible food. I choices. was going to say, that's risky. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I didn't want to give up my address. So I was a bit oh, yeah. funny about that, but I waited until the eleventh, the eleventh date <laughs> before I did that. Anyway, all of that to say it, that was fun. It was a fun experience dating, but then when we met in real life, there just was quite a lot that was missing that I think is important for human attraction, on my part at least. So I can see how people will be able to still make connections with each other virtually without that in person because you need to be able to see how like you said how somebody walks and well for me what they smell like and yeah how they move through the world how they exist on a day-to-day I agree I don't think you can get the information you need about someone from I guess texting or chatting or even interacting virtually in this metaverse type thing or as you did yeah over the pandemic so I do think <laughs> thanks <it's>... for stressing <laughs> as you did <laughs> Jeeves would like to once again stress I that she stress <laughs> did not <laughs> partake in any pandemic dating I mean I was basically a nun you so. were <laughs> you were experiencing being alone for the very first time ever and just in your home yeah <laughs> It was interesting. Yeah. We won't go into that. No, no, no. Let's not. I'll spare you. <laughs> I feel like the metaverse approach is trying to replace human interaction yet again. <laughs> and I just don't think that works for dating. No. What about you? What's been on your, what's caught your eye this week? You may have heard. In fact, I think you'll have struggled to have not heard this, mm-hmm. that Netflix reported that they lost 200,000 subscribers during the first quarter of this year, which means their share price dropped by about 35%. And that corresponds to a decrease of about $50 billion in company value. So bad times for Netflix. 
That's, in summary. That's intense. You look at the chart and it's like a cliff, yeah. a cliff drop. Who are the people who are mass unsubscribing? Or is it? do you think it's a cost of living thing? Well, so they attributed it to a couple of things. So one is competition. Obviously, they used to be kind of the only ones with original content. And now there's Amazon, Disney Plus, etc. So there is just obviously more competition in that streaming space. I think another thing they attributed it to was password sharing, which <laughs> I'm I'm not entirely convinced by that. Like, is that going to lose you a significant amount of subscribers? But also surely that will also be impacting all of their competitors as well. Like you're not going to password share on Netflix and then and not. not on Disney plus. I don't know. So <laughs> but also when I try to, if I put Netflix on it on my tablet and then I try to play it on my phone, it stops. So who are these ballers who got the multi-device <laughs> subscriber? How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I pay for Netflix I don't like I can't remember how much I pay but it's so that both my mum and I can use it and obviously we live in separate houses but I don't think that counts as password sharing because I'm paying for two people to be able to use it no yeah so, it's just it's the it's the special family offer yeah so I guess it would be one person two more than one person using one account but yeah as you said I thought they already had guardrails in place to stop yeah. that that you could only be on one device at a time or something well the ceo commented uh, years ago now where I, I remember seeing an interview or reading something where they'd asked him about password sharing and he said that he likes when people share netflix like he believes people should share netflix interesting so he wasn't phased about password sharing at the time but obviously this would have been years ago when they were the only ones and they could yeah be more chill and I guess they were still growing at that point and maybe it was a way for people to learn about the service through kind of word of mouth and that was I guess okay at that time whereas now less so but that's interesting yeah free marketing basically yeah if you've never heard of Netflix and I want to share it with you then I spread the word yeah exactly one of the more interesting takes I've seen on why this has happened to them is that TikTok is increasingly taking more of people's time and we've only got a limited amount of time obviously to spend on entertainment so the time that people potentially used to spend watching Netflix or other streaming is now spent watching TikTok which is free and more addictive so I thought that was quite interesting that their competition isn't necessarily Amazon Prime it's TikTok TikTok is an interesting one. I saw a feature on Netflix, the app, where they try to, I guess, replicate the TikTok effect, where they have clips from random shows, like Netflix Shorts or something, I think it's called. And so you, and it has that scrolling behavior. Oh, interesting. So you can get sort of, well, I don't have TikTok, so I don't know. But No, me neither. I've, <laughs> I've heard about how it works. I did see a graph. Granted, it was on a TikTok video that somebody shared on Instagram. But <laughs> it's the only way I'll watch TikTok videos is when they're shared on Instagram. If they're good enough to cross-platform, they're probably worth watching. But I did see someone posted a, a chart of TikTok user demographic data, data and showed that for the first time, users of TikTok are predominantly over 30. So really? the 30-plus-year-olds have taken 
one TikTok, I guess. That's very surprising. It's super surprising. Given super surprising. We're in our 30s and I don't know anyone no. who I don't uses know. TikTok. I know two people who use TikTok and they're both much older than me. But really? The, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of grown-ups on TikTok. But the video that I saw was basically this millennial dude who was saying, guys, we did it. <laughs> We've taken over We've TikTok. <laughs> now, let's not ruin it the way our, our moms and dads ruined Facebook for us. Oh. Remember, there was a time when the we Facebook used to age. Use Facebook. Yeah. Well, uh, it just became lame. It would make sense, though, that TikTok is taking over from Netflix because TikTok is designed to be addictive. Yeah. So if it's. It, if it's just you can just scroll endlessly for hours and hours and hours when previously you just mindlessly watch Netflix while scrolling <laughs> for hours True. and hours and hours. So and it's quite consuming. The effect of it is quite consuming from the sounds of it. Yeah, I guess because it is that similar video entertainment. And as you said, it is way more addictive than Netflix. Like I find Netflix content increasingly less addictive but also like less good like I'm I'm not really I haven't watched any Netflix original stuff that I've really enjoyed recently to be honest whereas I, I think I have a lower bar than you do when it comes to what <laughs> I'll watch so I still get really great content from Netflix it just has never occurred to me they keep putting the price up and I'll be livid but then I'll keep watching it yeah, so. <laughs> I haven't unsubscribed. Yeah, exactly. But. There's a lot of good stuff. I'll say good. There's a lot of stuff on there that, but it's also because we have all this time because we don't have TikTok. True. <laughs> so we yes, have the bandwidth yeah. to uh, still make decisions about what we consume. Another thing that got mentioned in this Netflix story is they are thinking about introducing a lower paid, lower price, sorry, option with ads which previously they had always said they were never going to do ads. So mm. I thought that was quite interesting. They're kind of changing their strategy, I guess, because this drop has obviously been quite concerning. It'll be interesting to see how they, what happens to their overall growth, I guess, if you're now going to be charging people less money for more ads if the issue is that you're losing subscribers to tiktok which is free and just you can the impact of it or the mm -hmm. effect of it is quite scroll happy like there's just there's a lot of stimulus in a short space of time whereas netflix you still have to make decisions about what you want to watch and you still have to like it feels like the barrier to entry for being entertained is maybe a little bit higher than tiktok and people's attention spans maybe aren't what they used to be so if you're introducing a lower priced ad funded model it means that people not only have to make decisions about what they want to watch but they also have the patience to wait for the ads to yeah. finish and in that time how are you going to increase retention if you bring in ads you just have to be careful about how you do it yeah it's a quite different model and i'm not sure it's going to solve their problem as you said like i suppose it might bring in a different the, the theory is yeah they might bring in a tier of subscribers who found it too expensive but if the alternative is tiktok and it's free it, there's still always a difference between low price and free like people are if if they're really price sensitive surely they're going to stick with the free more entertaining option so it doesn't yeah i don't know if that will actually work for them yeah and tiktok doesn't require you to have to decide yeah 
or decide make decisions right it's a really really low barrier to entry so I don't know if yeah ads will definitely not probably won't help with retention but it might mean that more people are able to actually watch I just uh, yeah I guess I don't know anybody who has who isn't on Netflix but my world is very small same yeah (laughs) so anything else that you wanted to bring up this week yeah so this will be this is news this was news to me I suspect it probably isn't news to you because you're naturally quite into science and health and fitness and all that with your esteemed background (laughs) in the the industry okay (laughs) it's 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 really new to me especially since I've been doing a lot more endurance cycling and things like that so I only found out a few days ago that carb loading doesn't work for women did you know about this I didn't actually that's interesting though what why doesn't it work so it doesn't work because the initial science that was done to figure out the impact of carb loading (laughs) you're nodding your head already because you see exactly (laughs) where I'm going with this the science was done on men and it wasn't done on women apparently our female sex hormones mean that we metabolize carbs differently so when women say that carb loading works really well for them it's usually because they were they've been on a calorie deficit and haven't been eating enough and so when they start carb loading it's bringing them back to normal levels of energy and so it feels good because right. you know <laughs> they've probably been under eating this been whole hungry. time just hungry <laughs> that's why that's why it's working so and and i read that on the blog of a cycling coach that i follow on social media but she specializes in cycle coaching so endurance cycle coaching for women and she takes into account things like your cycle and your hormones and all that she's because her specialism is coaching women to ride thousands of kilometers in short spaces you you go on like a week to ride to scotland or something she'll train you to do that wow so uh she i thought that was really interesting because i did not know that yeah that is super interesting i think a lot of scientific studies tend to be based on men so we take these insights and apply them into our lives but actually they aren't relevant to us and as you mentioned in this case a lot of it is to do with the fact that we have different hormones and body compositions and our body is obviously different from the male body Another example of this is intermittent fasting. There are studies that have been done on the benefits and they relate to kind of weight loss and generally being healthier, being more alert, etc. A lot of those studies were done on men. So we can't really take those learnings and apply them to our lives because they're not relevant to us. I think this happens a lot in science. And I think there's a whole thing called the gender data gap where there are other examples. So uh, heart attacks present differently in women. So your standard symptoms of a heart attack, you might not think you're having one because you're not experiencing those, but actually you are. So I I think women tend to get misdiagnosed for heart attacks all the time and not go to hospital because the data is all based on how men present in heart attacks. Yeah, I think in women, the symptoms are more around the neck. So you feel them, you feel sharp pains in your neck somewhere. I remember 
yeah like that I can't remember exactly what they are. We'll, we'll, we'll link to heart attack symptoms in the yeah, show notes, I yeah. guess. I think we should probably do that. Let's do that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the takeaway being carb loading as delicious and fun as it is, is probably not serving us. That's <laughs> in actually incredibly disappointing. I'm I love carb loading before a big like uh, cycle or run or something. It's been really difficult keeping that from you this week. I just wanted you to enjoy, enjoy your final <laughs> days of joy before I shared that with you. The last thing that I wanted to talk about before we go into our topic of the week, I was listening to an episode of one of our favorite podcasts, the Slow Newscast. Uh, yes. And they did an episode called All About the Bionic Eye. I don't know if you how familiar you are with this, but it's a company called Second Sight. They were able to find a way to give partially sighted people some sort of vision back with this technology the vision being really pixelated contrasting light and dark so they'd be able to some people some of the recipients of the experimental eye were able to see crosswalks and were able to make out shapes make out shadows and things like that so quite promising science on the face of it and over the last so since the late 90s there are I can't remember how many, a few hundred people who t- got this technology installed. It was mm. would cost anywhere from a hundred grand to half a million wow. dollars, and it be, it involved connecting a an external eye to your skull and brain in some in some sort of way. I'll link to all the details if you want to find out more about that. But the reason why it caught my attention this week is because the company itself went bankrupt, and so are no longer, they went bankrupt and then they rebranded as a different company and they've taken a different direction. Two things. First of all, should technology that can be so life-changing for humanity sit in the private sector? This was a question that the podcast asked as well. They didn't have mm-hmm. an answer for it, but it was one of those things where they were like, they asked it in general because this is one of the things we need to consider. And the second thing being, because the company no longer exists, nobody knows how to repair the technology. So uh, they interviewed a few tricky. people on the podcast where they were, it felt like a ticking time bomb because it's tech. Tech mm. fails at some point. All tech fails at some point. I think the reason it tends to sit in the private sector is because they have the funding to be able to create these technologies. Whereas if you think about like the NHS, they're barely able to have digital health records so I feel like this kind of these kind of new advances in technology can't sit with the NHS because then they would just never happen Mm. so I think and also the NHS does tend to have contracts with private companies so I actually used to work for a startup that had contracts with the NHS where obviously we were innovating and trying to solve type 2 diabetes and the NHS prescribed our app to patients and obviously it worked because they didn't have to develop this app because they didn't have the resources to do it but it was a technology that could genuinely help people so I think that model does work in a way because I just don't think the NHS or the government could there's not enough government funding for the NHS as is let alone allocating anything to new technology. So I actually think it does work with like the private and public sector kind of working together. together. Yeah. But <laughs> we also said together, together. <laughs> that was cute. 
completely unplanned, but I think we're aligned. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So in sync. <laughs> yeah, so I think the point about what happens if the company goes bankrupt, like in this case, all, all the technology gets discontinued, is interesting though, because there needs to be some sort of safeguarding for those patients, surely. That feels quite uh, irresponsible in a way that you haven't planned for this scenario. Like the company would have known that they were going to go bankrupt. Yeah, so. it doesn't. Ha- that's not something that happens on a Tuesday and, and everything was fine on Monday. Yeah, so it's they should have had some sort of contingency plan or, or something to help these people over like w- when maybe the service could no longer continue. Or I wonder if there's any other company that's doing a similar thing where they could have a deal I don't know how it will work where they transfer those patients to that new company because there must be someone else doing something like this like they can't they can't have been the only company in the world so yeah I don't don't know that feels like a gray area to me to just leave these people hanging that's not really right my next question then for you is if you could replace one of your senses with technology (laughs) with an enhanced version from technology what would it be I have very bad eyesight. I wear contact lenses slash glasses. So I think it would probably be sight because it's already terrible. So technology (laughs) hopefully would improve what it is. Obviously, I I guess contacts and glasses are a form of technology. So I I am already kind of enhancing it. Very true. With technology. So if you had perfect eyesight. Yes. I, that would be my dream and okay. I, but I actually can't get laser eye surgery because I've got uh, two thin corneas so oh. th- if there was some other technology that could enhance my eyesight I think that would be ideal I mean if it makes you feel better I also can't get laser eye surgery because my prescription is too weak I feel so. like that's <laughs> that's not the same <laughs> I am so blind I would have definitely not been able to survive in like caveman slash woman times yeah well i would have been like is that a saber-toothed tiger i can't really <laughs> tell it... it's so blurry it could also just be a rock like, <laughs> is that rock moving quite quickly weird so <laughs> so if you had perfect eyesight you would still do eyes or would you do a different sense if your your eyesight was 2020 vision i think it would be taste which which sense i would Ooh, enhance yeah and that's mainly because I love food <laughs> and I already think food is wonderful and tastes wonderful. And I, I reckon, it, I think there's a thing called like super tasters with super sensitive, I guess, taste buds. And you can really like taste all the like underlying flavors and stuff. So I just think that would make going to restaurants and having food that is already really good, even better. So yeah. I, I think I'd choose that. that. That was my answer as well. Yeah, I would have gone taste because even though my other senses aren't perfect, I mean, what sense is perfect, really? What is perfect? Is perfect <laughs> even a thing? Different episode. We'll talk about that one day. <laughs> yep. I would go for taste as well. Yeah, I think that's that makes the most sense. But what would you go for? Uh, let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Drop us a note and let us know what haven't we considered. I thought you were asking me again. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've already answered this, this question. Isn't, <laughs> this isn't just about you. This is about everyone who's listening as well. Yeah. So shall we move on to our topic of the week? Yes. We are going to be talking about 
adult friendships and the evolution of adult friendships. I think this might actually end up being a series. Yeah, because there's a lot of different contexts in which adult friendships change as you kind of grow older. So obviously relationships, having kids. Yeah. M- moving, moving, changing countries. Yeah. yeah. Going from work loves to normal social friends, you know, like when you have your work best friend and then you don't work together anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. That transition. There's so yeah. many different elements and factors into the evolution of adult friendships if this is something that you guys think is interesting let us know because we happily talk about this all day but today's focus is going to be on what happens when a relationship impacts on your friendship positively negatively whatever it is yeah so obviously people friends yeah change (laughs) change that's inevitable right you go through life, you're going to date people, be single, be in relationships. And the people that are coming with you on that journey are your friends, but your dynamic with them will change depending on what stage you are in that, I guess, relationship life cycle. Absolutely. And we covered, we touched on this a little bit last week when we talked about scarcity mindset. I've always had a scarcity mindset around friends in general. But it would also come out around when a friend got into, would get into a relationship. There were all these like abandonment issues that I would deal with. Uh, and there was all manner of things that I made their relationship mean about me and the value of our friendship and things like that. I've also been in relationships where I just wanted to be left alone with my new partner to just enjoy them. Mm. And friends have not been very happy about that. I guess the most recent example of when this has happened is with you. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it is. I had a lot of fears about what it would mean for our friendship when you got into a relationship. Not just you, but also one of my other best friends, Lauren. Hey, Lauren, if you're listening. And when she found love, because for the longest time, all of us have been single together at the same time. And so we got to all go through that struggle or what I, I thought was a struggle before. I think we've only known each other single, single actually for yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So we all met each other single and one by one, you've all found wonderful people, which is great, which is all that I've ever wanted for any of my friends is to find wonderful people to spend some time with. And, but that scarcity mindset, how, depending on how it's impacting you, can affect the way that it makes you feel. So I guess this is more for if you're the sort of person who you are in a friendship dynamic and you are struggling with how to let like make sure your friendship doesn't change in these situations. Yeah, I I think it's an interesting one because your friendship will change. Like I think that's inevitable and I think it's almost more about how do you manage that change and I guess be okay with it and still have like a happy fulfilling friendship even though things will change a bit yeah I I, for me that was there was I was spending so much energy trying to not pretend that things weren't going to change but trying to make sure things didn't change 
And mm-hmm. so if you're approaching it from the mindset of, I don't want anything to change, this isn't changing. And then your friend who cares about you, but is also, you know, <laughs> in this lovely relationship also doesn't want anything to change. No, none of us want anything to change. Yeah. We're happy as things are. Yeah. But the where you start to find peace is where you accept that things mm-hmm. are changing and that it's not a bad thing. It's okay for things to change. So it's just redefining what your friendship can be in light of the new circumstance yeah definitely and I think as we've kind of said we've both experienced being on both sides of this as the single friend who feels like all her friends are abandoning her for these boys and then (laughs) as the person in a relationship who notices they're spending a bit more a bit less time with their friends a bit more time with their partner and then potentially feeling guilty about it but also that is kind of what they want to do so there are a lot of thoughts on both sides of the scenario that need managing yeah and fundamentally I believe and I think you are in agreement as well that the circumstances don't aren't why we feel the way we we feel it's not the situation it's what we're telling ourselves about the situation yeah and what we're making that situation mean about us so if you're in a new relationship and I feel abandoned abandoned is not a feeling it's obviously a thought I'm having Jeevan's abandoning me and that thought is causing immense sadness in me Mm. meanwhile Jeeves is happy and feels good about the friend like just probably isn't really thinking that but you've told yourself that your friend is abandoning you maybe they are maybe they're you're talking to them less maybe you're not ultimately it doesn't really matter that much it's more about accepting that being accepting of the circumstance at hand this is the new reality how will I show up in this new reality yeah exactly and I think obviously I I would say maybe you disagree in our friendship that we have still maintained not absolutely everything the same but we still chat a lot we still see each other a lot we obviously do this podcast yeah (laughs) so I like to think I manage my friendships relatively well with relationships not all of them but particularly this one but I've been in situations where I can think of one friend who, where when he gets a new girlfriend, completely disappears off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then if he becomes single again, he'll kind of pipe up in our group and be like, oh, should we have dinner? And it's like, oh, yeah, he's back. So I struggle to manage the thoughts around that because I'm a bit like, well, is it, should I even still be friends with this person like they're not making any effort the the difference between the uh the friendship when he's in a relationship versus single is so different and it's not just with me it's with kind of our our everybody other friends as well so yeah I I find that a bit more difficult or a, a bit more yeah, I don't, I'm not always sure how to think about that. Whereas I would say in our friendship or I have other friendships where... I'm sorry, you have <laughs> other friendships? Excuse I know, me? I know. Lower priority <laughs> friendships, obviously. How is this but... how I find this out? <laughs> um, yes, so um, other friendships where 
you, yeah, you maybe see someone a bit less, but you still have a friendship there. So I think there is a spectrum of how people behave when these circumstances change and ch- how how should your thoughts differ in those circumstances. Yeah. And it's it's been it's been interesting observing that happening now with you and Lauren and then thinking about my closest friends from my 20s who I'm still friends with today all of almost all of whom are married and have kids and all that but in our 20s we spent our 20s our heyday if you will hopefully not the heyday because I feel like I'm only getting better with age uh that's fine (laughs) one you took a little long to say that but that's fine (laughs) I'll just edit edit the the pause to be a bit shorter (laughs) but I think about how those friendships were and how it was such a unique time and those friendships were right for that time and space and age and era in the form that they were in and with each of them I've had to relearn how to be the kind of friend that I want to be or how to show up for them and how to make sure that they're also showing up for me because it's a two-way street in in a way that serves us both but with the new reality of there being a child or there being a husband or, you know, or a wife even. I have some guy friends too. I forget about them. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately things, I found a lot, yeah, I found a lot more peace just being accepting of that. So I guess what we're saying is accept the new reality as the new reality. Yeah. It's probably what I would say is a step one. Because once you accept the new reality, then you stop wasting energy trying to protect a version of a friendship that is no longer the reality of it. And I'd probably say the second step for me is having a really open and honest conversation with your friend about mm-hmm. what uh, just setting intentions for the friendship. And I think we sort of did this. Yeah. You heard a lot of my rants <laughs> about like <laughs> before I found peace. But I think we also had a really open and honest chat because my immediate instinct was, okay, my friend's in a new relationship. I'm just going to leave them be. But, and I did the same with our other friend as well. Probably shouldn't have, shouldn't be using names, <laughs> but it's with love. But I did the same with her. And we also had to have a really open and honest chat about how to make sure that we are spending time together. So we have our days of fun where we'll just take a day off and like, She'll plan a whole day of absolute chaos and I just come along for the ride. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. And then with you, it's been, we had a discussion about, well, you had a chat, you kind of explicitly said, I want to have boundaries where I want to be able to prioritize my relationship with my boyfriend and also prioritize my friendships too, because both are important to me. So you're really good with making sure that you give time to people because I think you value quality time quite a bit. Yes, definitely. And I think my me understanding that you value quality time and you understanding that I value attention in any way, shape or form <laughs> works well because we could be honest with it. And then now we make sure that we do at least at least once a week have some sort of quality time. Like we're going to go and hang out after this. Although I don't know what else is left to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is we still have so much to talk so about. There's so much. We've recorded this. There's so, so much. There's so much. But so those would be my tips, I would say. What about you? Yeah, I think that's a really good point around talking to your friends about it, because I think people probably have these thoughts and feelings and then just quietly seethe about it and like maybe start resenting 
the friend or the new partner or whatever, when actually, as with anything, can probably be solved by communication. So I think that's a really good tip. I would say everyone's different. Obviously, this might not work for for everyone, but you kind of describe like I found it useful to be really intentional about how I want to be spending my time and who I want to be seeing. So I didn't want to, I guess, just go with the flow and then somehow you end up not seeing your best friends for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So oh, that's your worst nightmare. <laughs> it is my worst nightmare. <laughs> so I'm quite structured. Like I like planning and I make sure that, you know, these are all the people I loved to see when I was single. I used to text my mates maybe on a Saturday being like, oh, you know, what are you up to today? But now I tend to see my boyfriend on Saturday. So I'll be a bit more structured with the rest of my week and make sure that I do see the friends that I maybe would have previously seen on the weekend or or something like that. So I guess my tip is essentially think about how you're spending your time and don't just think that spontaneously you're going to end up seeing everyone you want to see because I don't think it really works like that. I think especially in a new relationship, you will feel like you want to spend loads of time with this new person and that's fine, but I guess don't do it unconsciously. And it's so easily done, especially in those initial in those initial stages. I'll be honest, James. I when you first started saying that you were going to, you still wanted to like make sure you prioritize both. I didn't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I had no faith in you. I was like, I've been here before. I've seen this before. Okay, here we go. It's the end of our friendship. And you've been very good at doing that. Well, thank you. So I mean, it doesn't help that I've trapped you into this podcast (laughs) and now we have a debt to society we have a duty to society the listeners so we have to see each other at least once a week so we can uh, we can record this or at least speak once a week yes indeed well we do also speak every day yeah every day via text so we'll be speaking after this and probably tomorrow as well and the day after indeed there's a book i really love that talks about this kind of change in friendship dynamics and it's called Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. Love. Love Dolly Alderton. Yeah, we're big Loved fans. that book. Huge fans. Even though reading that book made me feel so basic because I thought my experiences of going to uni <laughs> here and, and developing friendships and building a life here was really unique and special. But actually, turns out it was just... We're all, we've all been having the same experience. <laughs> we've been living the exact same life this entire time and... I I wasn't aware, but it was a brilliant book. Yeah, highly recommend if you haven't read it. And I think what makes it so excellent is that it is so relatable. So, so relatable. So there's a part of the book that I wanted to share where she talks about this kind of change. I would like to pause the story a moment to talk about nothing will change. I've heard it said to me repeatedly by women I love during my 20s when they move in with boyfriends, get engaged, move abroad, get married, get pregnant. Nothing will change. It drives me bananas. Everything will change. Everything will change. The love we have for each other stays the same, but the format, the tone, the regularity and the intimacy of our friendship will change forever. 
And I thought that basically summarises perfectly exactly what happens as she does in much of her book. I'm such a fan of hers. I found her through you. I, and it's, I remember reading that and just having to read it again over and over because I'd never really seen it said that it was okay for things to change because we're so by default you just think change is bad but actually change is subjective yes and I think I guess in the book she doesn't necessarily until the end I guess get to the the idea that it's okay to change I think in this kind of section where she first starts talking about it it's sort of how difficult she found the change but I guess what I found nice is how relatable it all was like everyone experiences this change and yeah it's the fact that you need to accept that this happens as opposed to lying to yourself and lying to your friends and saying nothing will change I think that was the big insight that that passage had for me it was just like Yes, it does. And we all just need to accept this fact and, and stop trying to glaze over it um, because I think that's just not helpful. I think it would have brought me a lot more peace in my 20s if I had understood that because, you know, you reassure each other in your friendship groups and people that you love that nothing's going to change. That's what we all said at the time. You know, you're literally pregnant. Nothing's going to change. We're still going to be, <laughs> you know, or you're, you know, you've, you're in a new relationship nothing's going to change well it has to change yeah I think that's a thought that people struggle to contend with is change always feels scary and probably bad whereas change can be really positive yeah and if you and it's it's so important how you talk to yourself I feel like I plug the Looms of Me podcast every week <laughs> but it's genuinely because I do talk about this I have an episode called self-talk and it's so important how you speak to yourself because if you're faced with a change and you're first and you feel not great about it it's likely because you're telling yourself that change is scary change is bad change is a problem and our brains are designed to keep us safe and keep us away from harm and all of that so if you're telling yourself that change is bad you're not going to feel very happy or positive about change but if you're telling yourself that it's not about you know telling yourself change is good because you're not going to you won't believe that it's too big of a leap if you're somebody who's been telling themselves that change is bad Mm. so it's more going to a more neutral thought of it's not change isn't bad change is allowed for me that's a good neutral thought that I like is yeah change is allowed change is okay change is allowed (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of another word I really like that because it's as you said it's not going so extreme to be like change is great yeah and you know you say that to yourself and your brain is like no it's bullshit yeah (laughs) (laughs) whereas yeah change is allowed and change happens and all of all of these kind of neutral thoughts about these changing dynamics in your friendship is probably what is going to allow you to come to terms with it and accept it and have at the end of it or continue to have a fulfilling friendship with that person 100% and boundaries help too yes we'll talk about boundaries another day we will cool well I think that's all for this week thank you so much for listening yet again we have loved receiving your feedback keep it coming 
it's for all the formats if you have our social medias you have either of our numbers <laughs> the email address is in the show notes as well share this far and wide if you enjoyed it for your friends and also people you don't even know yes <laughs> tell everybody about it and we will see you back here next week see you next week